Welcome back to Reflections of Darkness. I am your gorgeous drag hostess, Evil, just sitting here in my lair of eternal damnation on day 133 of lockdown, shelter-in-place, quarantine Turner, and I cannot believe that I have not gone insane yet. <laughs> but you know something I did do a few days ago? I celebrated the one-year anniversary of evil being unleashed upon the world. Yes, me. <laughs> I know I look great for only doing this for one year. Thank the dark forces, this is an audio medium only. <laughs> so, feel free to send me congratulations, happy anniversaries, and such to me on any of my social medias. And those will be at the end of the show, and I'll post them on the show notes as well. I also want to give a shout out to some of my new listeners around the world. Yes, I see you binging in Barcelona, somebody listening to me in Dubai, and someone listening to me in Moscow, taking chances all over the world. I hope you enjoy. And now on to tonight's first segment, Bored to Death. And if you don't know what Bored to Death is, well, it's where I review a horror-themed board game and, you know, give you my honest opinion and a couple little small details. So tonight's Bored to Death game is Camp Grizzly. Now, if you like camp horror movies, <laughs> and I don't mean, like, super gay camp, <laughs> I mean horror movies set in a summer camp, but wouldn't that be fun? A camp, camp, gay movie? <laughs> I mean, a camp, camp, horror movie? Uh, a super gay, super slasher set in a super gay camp. Oh my god, it almost writes itself. Anyway. <laughs> I want to be in that movie. Uh... So yeah, anyway, if you like summer camp slasher horror movies, like, say, Friday the 13th or whatnot, this is the game for you. It's called Camp Grizzly. It's a semi-cooperative game for one to six players. <gasps> Ooh, you can play with yourself again. <laughs> and it's all set in a summer camp, where you are one of the classic counselor stereotype characters. And you're all running away from Otis, the bear mask slasher. Uh, there are different ways to escape and end the game, and you have to work together to escape. But the thing I love about this game is you can all be working to escape, and you find all the stuff you need to get to the end, and then if your players aren't there with you, you can just leave their asses stranded and save your damn self, and they're just sitting there, and they've got to figure out either how to escape again in a different way, or they all just get killed. <laughs> it's a super fun game. The artwork is amazing. And the gameplay is cute, funny, clever. And the games are around 60 minutes-ish. And this is my bored to death game recommendation. And I give this 10 out of 10 screaming campers. <laughs> Have fun. 
next segment of tonight's podcast is going to be Read by Evil. So I have two books again this week. The first one is The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. Now, this one's a little bit... I mean, it's good. It's clever. Uh, It's got some interesting parts. It's got a whole different take on vampires. Spoiler, they're not really vampires in the traditional sense. No fangs, no drinking the blood. There's that. It's more of a guy with a... I don't want to say if he's higher on the evolutionary scale or if he's mutated or something, but he has kind of a proboscis that comes out and enters into a person, and then he filters his blood through that person. So he's treating them as like a giant liver. And they get great satisfaction out of it, and they love when he does it. And that's more succubacy to me. Or I'm sorry, incubus if it's a man, yes. More incubacy to me. Because they're getting kind of gratification out of it. And then the sick part is he uses mostly younger children because, you know, they're better filters. <laughs> Ew. Um, but, you know, this is a good book. Uh, again, it's a different take on vampires, quote unquote. Uh, but it's still a fun, easy, fluff read. And I give it four out of five bleeding peaches. <laughs> Next on Read by Evil is Born of Night, The League Nemesis Rising Number 1 by Sherilyn Kenyon. Now, this one, it's good. It's set in a completely different world than our own, which is, you know, you've got to be aware of that. Uh, It's more sci-fi than horror. Uh, But it was good. I tried reading the second of this series and I could just not get into it because it's not a continuation of the main character story in the first book. It's a different set of people adjacent to the first set of people that starts somewhere in the middle of the first book. So the second one definitely pulled me out of it and the first one it took me a while to get into it. But if you like sci-fi, I'm sure you would like this series. I love Sherilyn Kenyon's other series, uh, The Chronicles of Nick. I love that series. That was an amazing series. That's why I gave this one a shot. And this is just my honest review. Uh, So yeah, those were both read by evil this week. And for all my reader friends out there, or reader listeners out there, I have started a book group on Goodreads, if you're on Goodreads. This is not a paid advertisement. I've used Goodreads for a hundred years. I love them. Uh, it's a good re- good place to store all your books that you've read, currently reading, want to read, recommendations, whatnot. Uh, so I started a little book group on there just called Reflections of Darkness. So feel free to join and you can get sneak peeks of the books that I'm reading or uh, can send me... Um, recommendations on books that you like that you think I might like and follow other discussions and people from around the world so yeah again that was all read by Eve next is your favorite and mine quick reflections tonight I think I have five quick reflections so our first quick reflection it conquered the world from 1956 
Now, if you're a fan of one of the best movies ever made, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, then you have seen a snippet of this movie. It's the one in the very beginning with the cheesy-looking monster who looks like Gumby on steroids. But honestly, this movie is a hoot. And it's it has a very handsome, very young Peter Graves. It has some strong female characters. It also has some terrible, outdated, awful, racist, sexist comments. But still, it's still a fun movie night kind of movie. I give this one... 8 out of 10 flying bat alien things. <laughs> Quick reflection number two is 1972's Murder Mansion, also called Maniac Mansion on IMDb. This movie is an Italian-dubbed haunted house vampire lesbian murder witches romp, and it's all fake, and then there's a double cross? I mean, what the fuck did I just watch? I mean, I may have to re-watch this one in reverse to figure out what happened. But again, I couldn't stop watching it. I give this one seven out of 10 cute motorcycle guys. <laughs> Quick reflection number three is 1973's Warlock Moon. Now, despite the title, there are no warlocks or any shots of the moon in this movie. Uh, so I don't know why it's called Warlock Moon. It's a slasher slash sacrifice slash ghost story, all set in an abandoned, kind of abandoned, health spa in Livermore, California. It's got some interesting ideas, but it got a bit jumbled. But at least uh, one of the killers with the axe was 70s hot, so that helped. I give this one 5 out of 10 white dresses. So, quick reflection number 4 is 1993-94's, there was some confusion online, Dark Waters. This one, it's a super weird nunnery on an island where all the people are killed around a story myth of a demon they quote-unquote worship, maybe? And this girl comes to the island looking for her friend, but also because her father funded this church his whole life, and he just died, so she traveled all the way to find out why. Ugh, I don't know with this one. This one was weird and convoluted, but I was intrigued. But the ending is stupid, but I wanted to get there. Uh, I don't know, this one, this one hurt my brain. I give this one three out of ten prophetic murals. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> Our final quick reflection of the night, number five, is 2001's 13 Ghosts. Yes, this is a remake. Yes, I love this movie. But it's a great, great story. The effects, the acting, the amazing house set. This is one of my favorites that I watch every few months. This is a 10 out of 10 glass walls. <laughs> and that is this episode's Quick Reflections. Now on to tonight's main feature. Tonight's main feature is 1980s Blood Beach. Now this is a complete departure from all the other movies I've ever watched in this series of Reflections of Darkness. Why? Because I've actually seen this movie before. And not only have I seen this movie, I have seen this movie a million times. And not only did I own this movie, 
but I personally taped this movie onto a VHS tape off my VCR off of TV back when you had to do this. So you would pause it every time there'd be a commercial and then start recording right before the movie resumes. It's definitely one of my super duper favorites and it's not well known and it was a big kind of, uh, I don't want to say ripoff, but it was definitely riding high after Jaws because it's a beach horror movie with a monster. And even some of the taglines were, now that it's safe to go in the water, but you can't get to it. I mean, it was complete, I don't want to say ripoff, I don't want to say knockoff, because it is its own thing, and it's one of my most beloved movies. So let's dive right in. <laughs> so first we get the shot of the under a pier on the beach, we're somewhere in the Santa Monica Venice Beach area, loosely. They don't really say exactly where they are, but they do make reference to areas, then you find out that's where it is. Uh, then you get a shot of this woman walking her dog, and she sees this super hot guy in his little short shorts, feathered hair, slightly hairy chest, running to go jump into the water. And she's like, oh, hey, I didn't see you yesterday. Are you taking the day off? She's like, no, no, you know. She's like, it's so lucky you get to swim to work. person she's talking to is our main character Harry and he is super hot played by David Huffman who we'll get into later I wish I mean um so anyways he's going to swim off to work and she's walking her dog he's swimming out into the ocean and then all of a sudden the woman walking her dog just stops like jerks and we get our first kill so quick this movie I love it okay so she's stuck in the sand all of a sudden, and then she starts to sink, and then she starts to scream, just screaming bloody murder. And you see this homeless woman watching it from this upper window thing, doing nothing. It's like nothing's happening. The guy swimming, he hears the screaming, so he turns around, starts coming back to the beach. She's screaming, slowly being sucked down into the sand while the dog is going crazy barking. Then all of a sudden, she's gone. And he comes out and he's like, where the fuck is she? Dog's there, barking, lady up in the window, looking. So he calls the cops. Enter faux Sam Spade character, uh, cop, who's like, well, maybe she left. You know, maybe, she, and the people are like, without her dog in the middle of this? And who was screaming? He's like, I don't know. Are you sure it was her screaming? It could have been someone else screaming. I was like, okay, there's someone else screaming. Investigate that. You are the worst policeman ever. Oh, don't get me started on this man. He is crazy. He is from Chicago. He always says it every time he's on screen. He's like, well, back in Chicago, we used to do that. I'm like, dude, you are not a gangster. This is not a 1940s movie. Yes, period. End of story. 
So the guy's like, okay, well, I guess I'll go, you know, mind my business since the cops have it. So then we cut to the woman who got sucked down into the beach, the first kill. Her daughter, who apparently used to be engaged to Harry, coincidence, comes because her mother's missing, clearly. And so then they start having, you know, a little rekindle relationship kind of feelings and flashbacks and whatever. But nothing really clicks off too much. And so she goes on her way and uh, trying to figure out what's happened to her mother, takes care of the dog, all that. Then you see more shots of uh, the daughter. Her name's Catherine, but everybody calls her Cat. Talking to the crazy bag lady who saw her mother get killed but has not said anything. She's just like, you should leave. Hey, remember me? No. Oh, yes, Mrs. Selden. What they tell you? Who? The police about your mother. Nothing. They don't know anything, not yet. You're lying. Don't be stupid, girl. Your mother was raped and murdered. That's not true. It is true. It happens every day. They lie about it to keep their job open. They're not fooling me. Look, 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 that's where she is. Caught up in very deep, so deep that nobody will ever find her. You, you better go home and say and take him with you if you care. Just remember who warned you. Just remember who warned you. You just remember who warned you. You just remember. Hey, get him away. And the, uh, the crazy bag lady is going for an Oscar, okay? And she's throughout this entire movie. She's there at the beginning, the first kill. She's a witness to a bunch of other kills, but she never says anything. And she's all the way to the end of the movie. And she's through this whole thing. And she's not like a pivotal character. She doesn't add anything. But it's, you know, if she wasn't there, it'd be a really weird thing for me. Because again, I've seen it so many times that she is, I guess, pivotal because of nostalgia. Is that a thing? I don't know, maybe. Anyways, she's crazy. She thinks she's the most amazing actress. And period. So then we get this weird intercut shot with Harry sleeping with his blonde stewardess girl. And then it cuts to the dog out on the beach digging in the sand. And then back and forth and back and forth. Uh, then cut to the next morning. They're looking for the dog. And all they find is his head. Poor little doggy. And then they're all there with the dog coroner. Who knew there was a dog coroner? I mean, it makes sense. You know, there are coroners for human beings. And then there's the dog coroner. So they're all there. Harry's there. Cat is there. Catherine. And the police, Sam Spade knockoff, is there. And they're talking to the doctor. And they're like, so what happened? Harry called him. It was Catherine Hutton. There's a doctor to meet you. How do you do? Well, Doc, what's the word? Uh, the verdict, I'm afraid, is that I have no verdict. Want to run that bias once more, Doc? Uh, the dog was killed. Brutally and savagely killed. Uh, if I were to make an educated guess, I would say that the killer was a large man, or an average-sized man with unusually large hands, with very strong, very long, very sharp fingernails. Well, you're telling us that somebody just took the little doggy and uh, what, uh, ripped his head off? Oh, well, plainly speaking, yes. But uh, it's only a guess, mind you. 
And I'm like, well, that is very specific and can't happen. Unless it was some sort of demented drag queen with stiletto nails who didn't like dogs. I don't know anyone like that. Then there's this whole thing about Harry and Catherine's past, how they used to be engaged, but she wanted to pursue her art career in San Francisco. Hey, shout out San Francisco. Then we get a new character, John Saxon. Now, sadly, you all know that John Saxon recently died, like last week. It's a horrible hit for the horror community. He was Nancy's father in the Nightmare on Elm Street series, if you know that. And he was also a detective in this movie. Typecast, maybe. But I still love him. A woman native of Los Angeles disappeared some 36 hours ago from our beach in our territory and is now presumed dead. Then, as if to intentionally add insult to injury, the dog, which I understand weighed something less than 10 pounds and I'm quite sure wasn't considered a mortal threat to anyone, had its head bit off some 18 hours later. Last but not least, lovely blonde 16-year-old girl from Beverly Hills, no less, and slumming, I presume, suffered massive damage to both her once pretty legs, maybe crippled for life, had her mind blown halfway to the moon simply because she was foolish enough to lie down on this particular beach. Never would happen in Chicago. Yeah, one more remark like that, I'd be mouth Chicago's where you're gonna be. So they think they've figured out what's happening. They think there's something under the sand. Because this one girl was buried under the sand and her legs got all ripped up. And they're like, oh, it must be something under the sand. So they just get backhoes and everything and they're digging up the entire beach. And there's nothing there. There's nothing. They find nothing. And the Sam Spade character is like, it can't be anything under the sand. Because back in Chicago, we don't have sand. And murmur, murmur, murmur. And yeah, done with you. And then we get more shots of Harry with no shirt and his short shorts on, which I have to mention because it happens multiple times in this uh, movie because he is part of the Border Patrol. So he's always in like beach wear and swimming around and just uh, maybe that's why I really like this as a kid because it just stirred up some feelings for me. Hmm. So then we get this scene where this woman and another one of the Border Patrol agents, I forget his name, he's not that important, he's never in short shorts, uh, <laughs> he leaves this girl and she leaves on a bike and she's biking next to this uh, beach and then she goes down some steps onto the sand and she hears this seagull and it sounds like the seagull's in distress and it is at night on the beach no one's around and you hear the seagull under a pier now would you go under a pier to help a seagull in the middle of the night on a beach as a woman i'm just saying no misogynist here but you gotta keep yourself safe so what does she do she goes and walks under that pier, that dark pier in the middle of the night. And what happens? Bam! She gets tackled by this big, greasy man who... And then they completely forget about the damn seagull. Fuck the seagull. And he is clearly a rapist. And he's... Which I never got as a kid. I was like, I don't know what he is doing. But he's like crawling on the ground towards her all menacingly. All of a sudden he starts screaming and he rolls over grabbing at his crotch. And it's just this blood pool. And there's nothing there. So, as a kid, I didn't realize this, but he completely had a heart on dragging his dick through the sand because he was about to rape this woman? Okay, rape is bad. Seriously. But rape with a sandy dick? 
Could you get worse? But then this man's dick gets bit off by this monster in the sand. And he's just sitting there screaming, grabbing at his genitals. Which is hilarious and terrible at the same time. But he got what he deserved. And that's basically what they say in the movie. (laughs) So then we have all the people, the border patrol, the cops, all talking about the girl getting attacked. And then the guy getting his dick bitten off. And he deserved it and whatever. And then you get, they say it, one of the taglines in the movie. Jesus Christ. What did I do to deserve this? I, uh, I put in a request for more people, I'll tell you more. Yeah, I've done that too. I've got some geologists going to show up. What a mess. Mm-hmm. Just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water, you can't get to it. And then <laughs> there's a scene I just have to say real quick. Uh, Harry is at home and he's going to make dinner or something, but he just breaks off a celery stick, rips off a piece of baguette, puts the celery stick in the baguette, and then eats that as a sandwich. I'm sorry, what in the fucking hell did you just do? A celery stick sandwich? No mayo, no meat, no seasoning of any kind. Just celery stick in some bread. Okay, whatever. I just had to say that. Then you get another death. The stewardess is on her way back to Harry's and her hat flies off and flies out onto the sand. And she's like, oh no, I better go get my big giant floppy hat. She's walking out there and all of a sudden, bam, she gets sucked under and she gets sucked under super fast. Like this thing was hungry. That little penis didn't, you know, tide it over very long. It was like, I need this girl sucked down, sucked down, sucked down, gone. So Harry thinks, oh, he just got stood up by this girl. So he goes over to Catherine's house. She just happens to casually say that she's separated from her husband. She's looking for that D, you know. And through this whole thing, I thought that Catherine looked a lot older than Harry did in this movie. But it turns out in real life, she was like a year younger than him. I was like, oh, girl, moisturized. So we get to the next morning. Harry goes out to swim to work and he sees the stewardess's car parked down the way he's like well that's weird she never came up last night and he walks over and he sees her hat just sitting in the ground sitting on the sand because it obviously didn't blow anymore that night and nobody else picked it up and then it's right next to this i don't know how to say it like divot in the sand that looks like it was funneling down like an hourglass would you know just where the sand dips down and that will come into play later too the with the funneling of the sand is important in this movie so now enter the cops again so they're digging up next to where the hat was they find an eyeball and they ask harry uh what color eyes did the stewardess have and he tells them and they're pretty sure it's the stewardess that got sucked under then we get a scene with the cops and the council of the the city council of the city the city council of the city did i just say that oh (laughs) <laughs> we get the scene with the city council, and it is hilarious. Captain, you have been spending the taxpayers' money rather freely on an investigation that has taken the better part of a week. And unless you're withholding some information, you've yet to come up with anything that might even remotely justify your time and our money. And you know, if, if I'm not mistaken, councilwoman, you were one of the loudest supporters of our wonderful Proposition 13, our glorious taxpayers' revolt, which, while assuring you another term in office, just about cut the twigs and berries off the police department. 
Captain is merely showing us the stuff of which he's truly made. You grandstanding twelve should now just a minute here. You snot nose scissor build probate. You can't talk like that. Oh no? Watch me. Every one of you miserable suck-ups is the same. You want what you want, but when it comes to paying for it, all of a sudden you go deaf, dumb, and blind. But like the man said, you get what you pay for. So if any of you crouch bunnies thinks for a minute that me and my men are going to go on protecting and serving the interests of a bunch of uh, amen snorters like you, you better start forking over the coin. And I mean now. Let us know what you decide. You know where to find us. Come on, Bjorn. Break them. Let's get out of here before we get what they've got. Chicago, they give them a medal. Damn, I miss the 70s and early 80s of tight clothes on men. Ugh, I know I say that all the time, but come on. It was just so nice. So then Harry and Catherine are talking and they're, you know, being annoying and not really flirting, but flirting. And so then they f they're, they're talking about the killer slash monster slash what could it be and where could it be? And they kind of figure out... It has to have a home, and the home has to be under sea level. If there is a place where this, this lives, well, then chances are it's below sea level. Where? Below what? Well, we dug up the beach. Under what? The canals? The sewers? Somebody's wine cellar? Where the hell do you begin? Maybe by looking in places where no one else has gone. Where no one else has thought to look. Hide and seek, right? I guess so. Well, I wasn't too good at that even when we were kids. Then there's all these shots of Harry walking around some sort of broken down pier amusement park area that he and Kat used to play hide and seek in when they were little. And there's this whole underground building that they just didn't know was there or didn't remember was there. You know what I mean? Like, well, I guess it's just abandoned and it, and it just got, you know, built over and whatever. So they're, they're down there and they're looking around and there's a dead cat jump scare. But uh, he goes on and then we get our next kill. Now, this one is another, I don't know, weird one. It's this guy in this awful outfit for the 70s and they describe it later. But he's metal detecting on the beach, which, you know, is a big thing. People do it. Boom. He gets sucked under. And now he's gone. Then there's this whole rekindling with Harry and Kat, and they're, you know, fucking around. The wife of the um, metal detector guy is giving her statement, like her husband's missing. And so then we get a news report the next morning, which is, I love when they do news reports in movies. I just think it, it helps set a scene so much better. It's 20 minutes past noon, the date, October 7th. The place? the Pacific coast of Southern California. 76 degrees, skies clear, the water is warm. Perfect late summer day, perhaps. But not if this is the beach that you hope to enjoy. Because here, for hundreds of yards, you'll find nothing but desolation and loneliness. A seemingly endless nightmare of terror and violence, bewildering disappearances, and death. Now, the reports are of a monster, but you've never seen the monster, which makes it even scarier. And it's very much like Jaws, where 
you don't see it for a very long time. And this one, you don't see it for ever until the, almost the end of the movie. And that, you're just like, well, what is it? What's sucking these people under the sand? How is it living under the sand? How is it eating all the people with the sand around it and then eating the sand? That's what I always wondered when I was little. I was like, isn't it getting a ton of sand in its mouth? I'm like, that has to suck. But you know, you know, they are what they are. So then finally the city council gives up and gives the uh, police some money so they can go figuring out what they need to do. At 9 o'clock this morning, there have been 62 reported sightings of what has affectionately come to be known as the creature from Blood Beach. It has been seen as far north as Santa Barbara, south to Baja, east to the locker room of Dodger Stadium, west to Catalina. We have 14 Polaroid pictures, nine of which are in color, five in black and white. It has been described in some cases with apparently sincere hysteria as being large and green and hairy, as being small and colorless and bald, as having multiple arms and legs, as having no arms and legs, with and without wings from one to a dozen eyes, slimy, dry, rough, smooth, and in one particularly vivid description, mailed anonymously from Pacoima, it was without a doubt the hunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> Our beloved councilwoman from the uh, infamous 34th district, the lovely Harriet Crabb, has had a spiritual awakening and decided in all her wisdom to throw a considerable weight in the direction of our very own corner. Now, fellas, what that means is that starting this afternoon, we'll probably get a few extra men assigned for this investigation. What that means is that unless we produce some results quick, all our asses are going to be in a sling. You understand? Yes, sir. And what I want is some creative thinking around here. Come on, stretch your minds, tickle your brains, eat a lot of fish, get stoned. I don't care what it takes, but just bring me something I can build on. Bring me a notion, bring me a theory that makes sense. Talk to your friends, talk to your kids, talk to your wives if you have to. I don't care what you have to do. Just bring me a gift. Because I'm hanging on by my fingernails and I'm sliding fast. So if you ever loved me, now's the time to prove it. Then there's this whole scene of what you think is a monster crawling out of the sewer, but you find out it's the metal detector guy. He didn't die, but he got sucked down into this subterranean world and then into the sewer? I don't understand how that worked, but he made it out and he is not dead, which is weird. So we know that Harry and his friend, his friend's name is Hoagie, by the way, Harry and Hoagie, which I now think is hilarious. But we find out that they're beach patrol and there's now the shot of Hoagie driving his beach patrol to see the homeless bag lady. And she's in this little, I don't know, little kind of storage area that's on the beach under the pier. And she just lifts herself up into the uh, storage area with her legs off the beach. And she's just sitting there while Hoagie's talking to her. And then all of a sudden, Bam! Hoagie starts getting pulled under, and this woman's just sitting there looking at him. She's not reacting. He's screaming, uh, help me, help me, as he's pulled down, and she's just looking at him, just dead-faced. Then he's dead and gone. And she's just sitting there like, oh yeah, whatever. Dead person. What the fuck, bitch? So now we get another shot of Catherine exploring the ruins of the weird old uh, amusement park under the pier thing. She's there, but all these other people are starting to like come down to where she is. It's, it's, it's hard to describe. So she's down there exploring, but she doesn't know that Harry and a bunch of the police detectives are on their way there right now as well. 
because they've all figured it out too. So they're all coming down. Right as they start to get to her, Kat does something in this Forward falls and all these body parts fall out and one falls right into her hands and it's her head uh, the head of her mother and so she's screaming and everything and so they basically have found the nest of the creature but yet you still haven't seen the creature but there's all these body parts because apparently it can't finish a meal and there's just just stuff everywhere so now we're getting towards the end of the movie this is where it kind of takes a left turn for me they put in all these infrared cameras in the nest area they also line it with a ton of explosives okay another part that i forgot about this was there was a doctor that they've been talking to a geneticist or something to deal with weird creatures he's at this end point is saying you know we don't really know anything about this creature we don't know how it reproduces we don't know where it came from you know anything like he leaves it open to be it could be something mutated from the sea it could be something you know outer spacey it could just be a mutation but you know they never really say and so he just throws this little nugget out which is what we're supposed to believe that you know if you blow this thing up with all those explosives all those little pieces are they gonna come back to life and begin new ones so like little spores that just grow new monsters I don't know. Nobody knows because nobody's ever seen this creature. Did you know, Sergeant, that there are quite a variety of creatures on and particularly below God's green earth, each and every one of which is innately capable of a remarkable act commonly known as we finally get to see the monsters the monster one monster and this monster is not easy to describe because it, it zooms in on parts that look like very pulsating veiny things and then you see it in the infrared and it looks basically like a penis with a flower on the top and the flower on the top is the thing that apparently is going up into the sand and creating the little sand funnels and then sucking down the thing into the well the shaft of the monster <laughs> as all this is happening the sam spade character is like huh so there's the monster and he runs out of the cab while everyone's like stop him stop him and he steps on the plunger and blows everything up before anybody has a chance to see anything do anything say anything he just blows it up after he blows it up i always 
when I was little, I did not understand what was happening, but there's this kind of sparkly effect wherever the light is shining, kind of like dust motes, you know, just floating around, but there are all these kind of sparkly things. And then it just transfers in to next day at the beach. And there's all these people everywhere having fun in the sun, you know, playing volleyball and everything. And then you see all these little sand funnels starting next to this person over behind this person. A little boy just disappears while his mom's looking for him. And so you find out that all those little sparkly things, little spores or little pieces of the monster have now regenerated and this beach is now contaminated with monsters and that's the end you don't really get any more about harry or cat's relationship which is fine who cares you don't hear any more about the police because they've killed the monster hooray they're you know everything's safe at the beach again there was never a sequel to this movie that i'm aware of uh it's too bad though because i love this movie a sad fact about which may have been why there was no sequel the main character, Harry, who was played by David Huffman, he was actually murdered in real life after this movie. He was in some sort of play and he was on his way to see the his castmates and he saw someone getting robbed. So he chased the robber and the robber stabbed him with a screwdriver twice and he died. I was like, well, good actor, tried to do a nice thing, gets killed for it. Rude. So he is dead. Uh, again, poor John, John Saxon just recently died last week. And I don't know anything else about anybody in this movie. But it's definitely a movie you should watch. It is on YouTube. And it, there's a great, uh, not version, a great copy, a great quality. There it is. A great quality version of this movie on YouTube. And I definitely recommend it highly to everyone. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a cheesy monster, but... The whole premise is good, and it is, a, you know, kind of a... I don't want to say rip-off again. <laughs> it's kind of a... It was playing off the popularity of Jaws, just like a million other movies were at that time. But for one of them that never made it that big, it was one of my go-to movies as a child. And I definitely give this movie... It would be 10 out of 10 if the monster was better. But I'm going to give this... 9 out of 10 crazy bag ladies. <laughs> oh, well, that was Blood Beach from 1980. As always, you can follow me on Instagram at EvilQueenSF or Reflections of Darkness. And you can follow me on Twitter at EvilQueenSF or rod underscore podcast and don't forget about the book group on goodreads just called reflections of darkness send me any comments questions concerns whatever on any of those and as always keep watching scary movies <laughs> bye Those face low life kids.